Hey, what's up everybody? It's Aaron with Hex Life and Style. We're going to do something a little different here. In episodes 7 and 8, which will be a part 1 and a part 2, I interview Max, aka Big Seanald, or the Vintage Plug as you all know him, and co-owner of the Vintage Banana in Louisville, Kentucky. If you think about it, Max and I talk about it. We talk about real estate. We talk about selling vintage clothing, vintage trends, painting, finding your creative passion, writing music, sewing, selling tomato popsicles to women in white gloves. If you think about it, we talk about it. So grab your drinks, sit back, and enjoy Part 1, Episode 7 with my man Max, a.k.a. The Vintage Plug. So, no introduction here. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself, but I'm sure everybody already knows you. Um, so, Max, man, I appreciate you doing this. I Absolutely. Like the, hey, I like the painting in the back, by the way. Did, did you do that one? Yeah. Nice. I didn't plan for this background at all either. I'm literally just sitting on my couch, man. My, TV, my, my phone is propped up on my TV. No, dude, it looks great. It looks great. Man, I saw – I'll start with this. So – I've been, you know, I've been following you for a while, and dude, first off, your videos are are great, but uh, you did one a couple weeks ago, and you were at the piano playing Jack Harlow. Yeah. And then you were talking about, I thought that was cool, because you talked about a couple of things, you talked about just being creative and trying to do your own thing and all that, so you do art, I mean, clearly you, you can play the piano somewhat. Yeah. And now you're doing sewing, cut and sew. Yep. That's that's crazy, man. I mean, so you just jump into it and just try it? And... Man, I've been like that since I was younger. I feel like I get so, like, gung-ho on one thing that my brain will just be so focused on it. And then I just, you know, master it. And then once I master it, usually that's the bad part because then I, I get tired of it and then I move on. I mean, it's kind of like every, every other thing in my life. Like, before vintage clothes, I was really focused on – working out like you know I mean that was like my main thing I worked out all the time you know I mean I got really good at that and right before that is when I was working on music for like you know a couple years five years I was just playing piano every day all day then I started working out and then I started getting into vintage clothes and then that's been my life since then but that's been the past 10 years of my life yeah I'm finding little things you like and working at it I'm a lot like that dude I mean I have been that way kind of I guess when you think about it as a kid too because I go from from certain things like I have the things that I've always done, but, you know, you know, growing up as a kid, I've always tried to, you know, I, I skateboarded growing up. And of course I'm older now, so I don't, I, I longboard some, but that's about it. But, you know, music, I've always loved music and tried my hand at music. I tried writing music. I've learned, I've tried to learn how to play guitar now for probably 40 years. <laughs> it feels like, uh, but, but uh, yeah. Way it goes. I think that's, I mean, you, you said it, I mean, just sitting down and taking time, time to do it and just being repetitive and not, you know, giving up at it or whatever. The artwork. You know, it, feels, it feels good to like accomplish something. You know what I mean? Like you sit there and you, you have a goal and you just try to accomplish it. Like, you know, and, and anything. And, and then furthermore, it's a creative outlet. Like, you know, even dressing, getting clothes, going out and getting that high of finding something cool. You're still like going to wear it and, you know, have some sort of expression. Like a song feels good because I used to write music for a long time felt so good like some days to get that song out you know what i mean like you write i write the, the the chord progression and then write lyrics to it 
And then once I got it out, it felt like, you know, you have like a product, you know, you have something just like, you know, when I painted something like kind of get it out of you, that creative expression, you know, you, you pull off an outfit and you post a picture of it. You know, that's just a small little thing. Like you're getting your little creative input. You know what I'm saying? You're getting outlets for creativity. I think that's what it's mainly all been about. I mean, that's mainly my focus is. Well, yeah, I mean, and two, clearly, I mean, once you, once you, like you said, once you feel comfortable doing it and kind of, uh, you know, learn how to do it, then it kind of becomes a passion. Right. I, I was that way. I, uh, I used to have a 1960 Oldsmobile Super 88, and it was, I mean, it was a sled, four-door. And, you know, I bought it. I remember I bought it off a guy in Cincinnati and went up. And it was a one-owner car. Um, it was actually two-owner cars. The guy that originally bought it off the showroom died of a heart attack, but so I bought, I, I, I think I spent like four grand on it, drove it back home, you know, uh, got it repainted, uh, metal flaked the top, laced it, all that. So I was diehard into the forever. Into the cars. I was into the, well, not the old car, but I was hitting all the rockabilly shows, you know, all the, you know, they had the big one there, um, there in, uh, down by uh, Phoenix Hill, trying to think the uh, the name, oh, Beatersville. I don't know if you've been to Oh, Beatersville. yeah, uh-huh. So, you know, I was into all that with that, those guys and stuff. And, and, um, man, I, I was good on, I was on that for about probably at least five years. And then some, my car, man, the, believe it or not, that car, the, I had it lowered in the back and it, and it bottomed out and punctured the gas tank, which was full. The brake had locked up and it blew the entire car, the back of the car. We got, I got out of it and got my son out of it. Thank goodness. But, Within a matter of ten minutes, dude, the thing was engulfed in flames. Oh and my so, god! With, but where I'm going with that is, man, I was so gun ho about that and passionate, and it just kind of took that away after that. And I'm like, you know, it's never going to be as good as it was. So right, gone from that. I didn't even buy another car after that. And um, and you just kind of move on to the next thing. So, yeah. Well, you keep finding more interest. You know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Well, what about with that, you know, so you've been into, the, you've been in the vintage, uh, kind of the vintage scene or vintage game for, for quite a while. Um, what I think what dated back to when? Like 2014 or 15. Yeah. 2015 is when I started like reselling clothes, but I've been thrifting for probably about eight years. Yeah. Yeah. 2012, it, I started going to like flea markets. 2014 is when I started getting like clothes. Okay. And the 2015 is when I turned it, when I was like, all right, this is going to be a business. So with, with that, man, so do you see yourself, you know, do you see yourself moving on? And I know you can't predict the future, but is this something you think you're going to be in, you know, for a long period of time or what? I don't, I, you know, I feel like it probably is just one of them things that, you know, right now it's my livelihood. So I'm in it, you know, as a business right now, more than just a creative outlet, you know what I mean? More than just a hobby. But, you know, 40 years from now, you know, or even 10 years from now, I don't, I don't really see myself selling clothes. I mean, I'll still be interested in clothes and fashion and collecting clothes, but I don't know if it'll be like my main source of like, or my main focus. Yeah. I think I'll move on to some other business outlet and then, you know, creatively somewhere else, you know, kind of veer ways, both ways, have another business outlet. At least that's my hope because, you know, you can make a lot of money selling clothes, but. I, I can sell fucking ketchup popsicle to a lady in white gloves. Like, literally, I'm just meant to sell. Like, I can sell anything. That's why, I like, I want to move on to something more expensive, like houses or yeah. maybe so maybe get a real estate license. Who knows? We'll see. Well, listen, dude, when I start my company, company 
you're going to be one of my first calls because I've seen you, man. I've seen you in action and, and, and oh, you yeah. are good. That's the thing, man. I mean, I keep talking about me being older, but, you know, I'm 41 and I've been in the medical field now for oh, over 20 years, man. I was very fortunate when I came out of college, but I've always had that entrepreneur mindset. I got my real estate license at 18. My parents were both real estate brokers. And so I was like, I was all in it. And then of course 9-11 happened. And, you know, I said, you know, I better go a different route. So I did. And, you know, you kind of get those golden handcuffs of like pharmaceutical medical background and you just free car and all of that. And then you don't, it's hard to get away from. But where I'm going with that is the clothing for me, man, is a hobby, you know, and it's kind of, it's, you know, this, this, the, the, it's, I would call it a passion. Um, but at the same time, I know I'm not going to be able to make a living at it, you know, like, right. you said. but, but I think that for me, it just fuels that, that passion, that excitement and that networking, that interaction, because I've always collected and I've always been that type of person. Um, and I, you, you say that, I think what is, you, what happens is you age out at some point, you kind of age out of, of it. And I feel that way sometimes. Of anything, you know what I mean? It's not just clothes, if anything. Yeah. You age out of it. And see, I feel that way sometimes doing these pop-ups and stuff. I mean, I'm like, I love, I love, I mean, the, our crew here in Lexington is really, has become really close. But, oh yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like the dad, man. I'm the old dude. <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like, shit, you know? I got to take a step back because I, I'm, you know, almost go in dad mode. I'm like, man, you, I mean, you can do better than that. Don't be doing that. What do you, you know? Right. <laughs> Even I do that though. I feel like, so I have to like tell people, I'm like, I'm 30. Like, I feel like I'm way older, like have way different views than a lot of the people that I'm around in this business. But you know, the thing yeah. is about the internet, this is a, this is a market driven by the internet and anyone has access to the internet now so it's like a 14 year old could literally be in my position right now but luckily you know we're a little bit older and i feel like i was able to you know i'm 30 years old but i was able to see it like a little bit before and really take like a business approach to it versus mm -hmm. like a kid who just likes it and they're like gonna post some things on on the internet you know i really made sure i was face to face with everyone in the city and then opened up a store before there was any others you know there was nothing like it really in Louisville before. So I just had that like drive right away and I was old enough to really make it happen. Also, I was old enough to like understand vintage because I was born in 90. So I grew up in the 90s. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the kids wearing vintage were born in 2000 mm -hmm. and it's more like they know it's cool, partly because of value and then the nostalgic value as well. But yeah. I mean, I grew up with it. So I got to see it kind of early on and you know what I mean? Started selling until I was 15 before it was like, really a huge thing yeah and you you all created I mean louisville so different than lexington i mean 45 minutes down the road but i mean the what's going on in louisville right now is not even close to lexington i mean and and you and that's what i was talking to josh the other day about i mean you guys are the pioneers of that i mean you kind of created that there's always been your vintage shops more you know 70s driven 60s driven i feel like or thrift exactly stores. But what you all did, man, it, it changed everything. And you, you, you just said it, man, having that entrepreneur mindset and understanding how business works. So many, so many people want to put the business first and start the business without the culture or the, or the people. And or any know-how or like any proof in the pudding at all. Like, you know what I mean? I was out here not making much money on vintage effort. You know what I mean? Just like out here doing all the footwork myself, like, 
coming out here, gauging the market, seeing if people in this exact area were buying clothes before I started the store here. You know what I mean? I was making sure that I could talk to people, like people that came into the booth. I was, I'd never put prices on my clothes so I could talk to every single person who was interested in a piece. And then what I would do is I would build value in the product. So if there's a price tag on it, they're just going to look at that shirt, see the $15 and just be like, okay. But if they like the shirt, they're going to pick it up if they don't have a price tag on it. And they're going to ask you about it. And that's when you have an opportunity to sell it. You know what I mean? That's when you have an opportunity to build some value in the product by show, telling them what you know. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you like about the shirt, you just tell it to them. That, Man, yeah, this is a fucking Versace Elton John tour shirt. You know what I mean? They got a beautiful spade on it. That thing is literally a rare shirt. And then you tell them a price, and it's better than just 15, you know, just them seeing a price. And you know what's crazy? A year ago, dude, I saw that exact shirt. I saw it go at a at a um, at a pop up or like a flea uh, here in Lexington for twenty bucks. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God! And so I I was somebody beat me. A friend of mine, a buddy of mine, beat me to it. But I mean, it was a kid who had never done a pop up. Who had never he he had never. It was his first pop up. I mean, he knew the streetwear side of things really good, but he didn't know really like that Elton shirt he didn't have a clue. I mean, he had kind of an idea, but, and that's, and I think, you know, I don't, you know, Scott and I, do you know Scott Hatton? You know Scott, I think, from here. He's rollerblade. He oh, yeah, 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 Scotty. Yeah. I know Scott. Yeah. Roof his plates. So, yeah, yeah. So Scott and I are, are, are you know, good friends, and, um, you know, we work together. We'll do pop-ups. We'll try to kind of collaborate at some fleas and stuff together, and, um, you know, he he's, Believe it or not, he taught me. Of course, we kind of share off each other. The first one we did collaborated together. He had Goodwill tags on all this shit, yeah. and I said, "Scott, dude, you got to take those off, man." And he was like, well, "Why?" <laughs> and I was like, "Just it, you have to present it a lot better than that." So he right. it off and, and then you know he didn't have prices on his stuff, and I had all my shit, my stuff priced. And he was like, man, I don't even waste my time pricing it. And I was like, why? He goes, well, because I want to interact. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I mean, I've been in sales my entire life, and I never thought about it from that standpoint. I just, you think about it from a retail standpoint, and when you walk in a store and you look, you're able to look at a price. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. But I can't tell you how many times that I put it, like looked at the price of something and just was like, I'm not paying that. And, exactly, and, man. And just moved on, whereas – so he got me thinking of that. So I don't price anything in mine, mine either. And people will pick it up and I'll see them looking at it. And then I'll walk, kind of walk over towards them and I'll say, you know, Hey, that's a, that's a really cool piece, you know? And, and sometimes I don't even know the history behind it or I can exactly. tell them where I found it or who had it before me. And, and it just, that builds value. Like that literally oh. builds value. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And so that, that's a, that's a straight car salesman tactic straight yeah. to down to it because car salesmen never wanted to let you know the price they always want you to get in the car drive it around get fall in love with it then they go over the price because you can't price something that has no value to somebody you know what i mean or how you haven't built value for it yet so i mean that's the main thing for me was just man you get to talk to somebody that builds the value of the piece because you have the knowledge you know more about the piece you know why it's priced at that so, you know, if you tell them why, they're going to accept it a lot better than if they just see the value or the price, especially yeah. back when I first started because nobody had a value of vintage clothes. Now there's like a whole market, you know what I mean? Like literally a damn scale market that you can go on eBay and look up any shirt and see a value of it. 
versus before it was like you really kind of had to give some intrinsic value to people like of why it's rare and why it's old and you know just kind of show off a little bit of knowledge and people really value that so let's I jump into that a little bit because you know I I probably I've gotten I've probably gotten a lot of blowback on that because you know in my mind I think shirts are valued at what person a person's willing to pay so yeah. you know for me I'll see a shirt that I had as a kid and I'm like you know that that talks to me man I want that again it's my size I'd love to have that and I kind of view I view these things t-shirts especially almost like art and and so I if I'm an art collector or whatever it may be I want that piece that speaks to me or and so the value of stuff is insane I think you know, a good example is I was looking at My World Thrift. You know, they posted something last night, I think, on their story. They had a Prince T-shirt. They've been doing that, yeah. Dude, and they're, they're selling it for 150 bucks, And you look online, and everybody has it priced for $400, $500. Sure. And so, obviously, they're gonna, they, they sold it like that. And, yep. you know, Smart. But the idea is that's probably what that, that the value of that shirt is. I would think maybe probably. Definitely. But, you know, it, you know. Obviously, you could have bought that at one fifty and probably resold it for two fifty. Sure. If to, to be honest, if you have a storefront or something like you have, where you're gonna, you got people coming in and seeing it. But I just, in my mind, man, it's it's crazy to me because I and everybody kills me on the American Thunder tees, and I, I've yeah. brought this because you know I've had all those, I've sold them. They were hot, and and I th I think the value of them are starting to go down. I think it's a product of obviously who's wearing it and who's, you know, with Travis Scott wearing it and, and all those people that drives up the the you know, the 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 you know people wanting it clearly. Right. But at some point, at the end of the day, it's an American Thunder tee that they sold at every truck stop. Exactly. From here to Florida, and and so I think, and not to mention that there are so many of them made. Really That's what I was just about to say is, is the value goes up because of, you know, influence, like Travis Scott wearing it. But then once the market gets the right information and realizes that there's so many made that they're pretty accessible, then that, that's what happens. It takes a little course of time, but the market eventually figures it out. Not so rare anymore. Just because Travis Scott wore it, it's not that rare. You know, yeah. I've literally sold a hundred of those T-shirts. Like, no kidding. Like, at least a hundred of them for $28. Yeah. in my store before that, Travis Scott wore it. Yeah, and, and and that's what I was saying. I've sold a bunch for like thirty. I held on to one three D one that I have that is that's kind of rare that I had that I hadn't seen. But you know, I mean, for the most part, that thirty dollar price range is right where they're at. I mean, I yeah. mean, that's that's the value. That's of realistic. Yeah. Me and Josh are like that's what I'm so glad me and him are on the same page about is like we are very realistic with our prices. Sometimes Josh will kind of blow some stuff off though like he'll like just put some like for instance he had a pair of nike dunks for 35 dollars the other day on our rack like literally i didn't even know what was up there until the, the customer brought it up he was like here i'm gonna buy these 35 dollars and they were literally like 400 dollars nike dunks from 2005 white and red nike dunks like i literally showed the kid too because he's the kid shops there all the time he's like i can't believe they're only 35 i'm like you know what they're worth right and he was like yeah, they're worth a lot more than that. I was like, look, I was like, I'll show you. I was like, I'll sell them to you for thirty-five because that's the price on them. But I was like, they're worth like at least three hundred. And you know, Josh, you know, just kind of slides right off his back, and that's a, it's not a bad thing. You know, he still made money on it. 
a customer left super happy. You know, nobody really lost there. Well, you could have always said, no, that's a misprint. It's 350 you know? Could have, but I wasn't about to do that to somebody. No, 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 especially somebody. I mean, you know, you're not going to do that. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I I was talking to somebody else about, you know, the things that I've had over time that I've sold for just dirt cheap. And now, like, the value of them are, is, you know, the Rage Against the Machine t-shirts are a good example. You know, I had some of the um, some of the later ones, so like 98, 2000 time frame. And, you know, I'd let them go for 40 bucks or whatever. And, you know, um, you know, a year ago and now they're 200, $300 yeah. online. And you just, I mean, but it's the same thing with Grateful Dead's. Oh, man. Everybody. Grateful Dead's were with, like yeah. on real common around here. Like even still, people find more Grateful Dead's around here than like anywhere in the nation. And, bro, we used to get them in the store all the time and pay 15 bucks and sell them for 28. Like, no joke. I've, same thing as American Thunders. Like, I've sold a ton of Grateful Dead's for way underpriced. But that, you can't even touch. I mean, you look at, I mean, the most simple Grateful Dead t-shirt now is going for $80, $90. And exactly. And that's, that's, I mean, I, I think, again, that'll, that'll, that'll bottom out, I think, a little bit, you know, over time. Because, uh, like the American Thunder tees, Grateful Dead put out a lot of t-shirts. They sold those <laughs> everywhere in the 90s. Every, they went on every tour they possibly could, every single show, festival they could possibly go to. The Grateful Dead never stopped, man. They were the most touringest band ever, and they made merch for everything, bro. It's literally like there's probably more Grateful Dead tees than like 10 other bands combined. No, oh, for sure. And, and here's the crazy part, man. Have you, have you researched, have you looked at any of the Dead & Company t-shirts right now? Is that the newer stuff? No, that's like the new stuff. So, you know, they've been touring, I guess, what, two years, year and a half maybe, you know, with John Mayer. and John Mayer, and, yep. Yeah, and, and so those parking lot tees, those, those Dead & Company tees are 80 and $90, which is – They're insane. already up there, 2015, 2016. Well, actually, it's probably – No, I've been I, I, for quite a while, at least a couple of years. Yeah. So that, John Mayer stuff. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the crazy part about it. I mean the the market just kind of drives that, you know. And um, I guess it's kind of a, a, a kind of cool in a way. But I focus try to I try myself. I collect more of the things that like I I'll buy just about anything with some good content. But I'm I, I focus kind of more on the nostalgia aspect of it, you know. Oh yeah. And. Josh was talking about this too. He's like, man, I've got t-shirts that I like of bands I don't even like. And I, <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, well, I mean, I, I can kind of understand that, but you know, dude, those Cradle of Filth t-shirts are, were crazy that I found, but I'm not, that's not me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not, I've never, I couldn't tell you a song they even sing. Right. And, and um, but the, the, the graphics and stuff are really cool. But it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit fit me. I mean, this Metallica shirt, I'll be honest with you, this is the only Metallica shirt I own. And it's because it's a long sleeve and it's it's a little little more rare. Um, but it's um, you know, it's from like ninety-six. I like the fade on it. I like the the you know, the graphics and the hit on the back, but I would never buy another Metallica t shirt. I I mean I, right. I like Metallica, but it's not my it's not my jam, you know, it's not my thing. So, um, so talk a little bit about, man, talk about the cut and sew thing. Cause dude, you have, you set the internet on fire with that. I, 
the first couple that you did, I was my mind was blown. And then you did the you released the Harley Davidson one with the color, all the color. Oh yeah, I couldn't believe that. And then you topped it when you did the Pendleton. The Pendleton was insane. The Pendleton was, went crazy. Yeah, yeah. So talk about that. Like, did you just kind of get a wild hair one night and and wanted to try your hand at it or what? I think it was that was my 2019 New Year's resolution to start learning how to sew. Like literally. Every year I kind of make like a goal. And that's that was 2019. I was like, you know what? I'm learning how to sew this year. I bought a sewing machine. Like my dad and my mom both sew. My dad works on car interior, so he sews. And then I bought the sewing machine 2019, and Josh actually helped me the most. He came over to my house, helped me get it set up. And then it pretty much sat around for the longest time, dude. I really didn't get to it until sort of the end of 2019. I at least taught myself how to with the Tommy towel. And then once, I don't know, something really sparked me right before the quarantine shit that I was like, I need to start using this. I'd gone through my garage and found a big bucket of towels that I had because, you know, if they come into the store, I'll buy it, but they don't really sell that well. So I had a whole bucket full of Tommy towel or of polo towels and a couple Harley towels, just like nicer towels that came to the store. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to use all these and try to make sweatshirts out of it. I'd already made the Tommy towel, whatever, like six months ago, or like really in the beginning of 2019, maybe. Maybe in the beginning of 2019, I was like, it'd be so sick to take a, a Tommy Hilfiger towel, make it a sweatshirt. So I already kind of had that knowledge. But then when I found that bucket of all the polo towels and the Harley towels, I was like, you know, you know what am I doing other than, than making a sweatshirt with them? I'm going to just go ahead and do it. And really, I don't have a template or nothing on any of them. I just kind of like, set a sweatshirt over top of it, look at the way the sweatshirt's built, and then I'm like, you know, you just cut out what you think a sweatshirt would be, and it, it kind of fell into place. Like, I never had any lessons or taught how to make it. It just, you know, I would look at a sweatshirt and then just try to replicate it, and then over time I got better, you know, with, like, you know, the evenness of the sweatshirt and how to cut the neck hole and, you know, really putting a sweatshirt together. It just kind of came over time, but my first ones were like really wonky. If you look back, they're really not very good. But, you know, it's just it's one of them things. I just got to it. I said I was going to do it. I had the the resources and then I just I mean, what else? I don't know. It's just one of the things. I just, you know. Dude, I, the cool part about it is, I mean, not only that, but you know, it's a one of one piece and nobody else is going to have it. You know, nobody else out there is going to have never they'll never have anything like that. So you're not going to have the same shit as any as anybody um and but the imperfection of it man i think it makes it even cooler in my opinion that's i mean i'm <clears throat> i'm kind of wired that way anyways my wife she she screws with me all the time she's like you look like you're homeless right now <laughs> i'll have some t-shirts man that are just worn and got holes in them and, and i i like them like that you know i mean that, I that's kind of what it's about though you know it's like vintage became so popular because at the time, you know, everyone's shopping at the malls and wearing the same stuff as somebody else. And vintage clothes gave you that opportunity to be individual. You know, you're wearing a T-shirt that's not sold in mass production. And nobody else that you know will have that exact T-shirt. And most likely, nobody would have that shirt at all. Like, you know what I mean? Because of the fade or wear, you know, certain things that make it very distinct that nobody else will have that shirt. And I think now it's kind of coming on to where vintage has become so big that it is accessible, you know what I mean? You can pretty much, like, if I really wanted that Metallica shirt you have on or you wanted this shirt, you could find it somewhere online for a price. Maybe not the cheapest, but 
you're going to find it somewhere. Like, you can find a piece pretty much anywhere. That's why I think people are moving on to, like, even more one-off type things. Because at first, I think wearing vintage clothes is more about, like, individual expression. And I think one-off pieces are kind of like that next, like, even further into just being individual. You know what I mean? Wearing something that nobody else can have. And that's kind of what it all comes down to. I mean, that's where the value comes down to is having something that somebody else can't. Yeah, I know, man. I agree. I mean, that's that's the thing. That's and for me, and and I, like again, like I said, I'm a little bit older, and, and you know, growing up as a kid, there was nothing bigger than Vision Streetwear, dude. Everybody wanted Santa Cruz Vision Streetwear, you know, all the Bones Brigade stuff. So I get that, and I still, dude, I still, I. I'm not kidding. At least every other night I'm online before I, you know, I, I'll, I'll go through Instagram or I'll go through eBay and just look at, some, you know, see what's out there shirt wise, if there's any good deals. And I still, every night, every, every other night, at least I look for a vision streetwear t-shirt, like an original eighties. And, um, and, but I can't get with like What I don't understand completely is the Supreme stuff, like the Supreme and the streetwear and stuff. And the reason why is because it's everywhere. I mean, it's yeah. so many people have it, and I don't, you know, I can't understand that that point of it. I kind of do, but I kind of don't, because, like, in the 90s growing up, you remember this. Dude, everybody wanted Jordan Bull stuff, and oh, yeah. they made so much of that stuff. I mean, they made, you know, you'd go to school, and on one day, 10 people would have the same T-shirt on. Oh, know? yeah. The, the same lady, jacket. You know, three, the Jordan, the Jordan shirt with, with Bugs Bunny on What's that? I said three of the kids in my class had the exact same Bulls starter jacket that I had. Like, it's, it was definitely like that. Yeah. So that's what I don't you, – you know, you probably understand the Supreme and the streetwear stuff a lot better than I do. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'll tell you something that, like, is kind of – you know, I don't, I don't guess – I wouldn't say I collect them or – but I like – like, I like um, shirts – that are produced by like home, like small businesses, you know, hmm. like, um, you know, home skate shop there in Louisville, they oh, have yeah. cool, cool shirts. And then like, I'm a tattoo shop guy. So like love tattoo shop, um, t-shirts, man. Those are, those are crazy. Especially the older ones are crazy to me, man. And I wish I could find some old stuff that. like that. What's that? That's, that's the good stuff. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. I like, I can get with all that, but like the, the, the stuff that everybody's selling. And then, then you even have the reprints. Like, like when I dress up, like oh, I wear a suit and stuff. I have to wear a suit a lot for my job. So like, you know, I'm, I can get with the Ferragamo, you know, belts and, and shoes and stuff. And I have all that, but it just seems like they, people have absolutely saturated the market with this kind of the streetwear of the Supreme and, and then the, the, the Gucci bootleg and all of that. I, you know, I, it, it's, don't get me wrong, it's cool, but now it's starting to really, I think, you know, wear out, in my opinion. But what, well, what it you, is. I mean, you're, I you're mean you can tell by the market. Yourself. I mean, 2016, that's the whole thing. So right when we first opened the store, 2016, or right when I bought into the Vintage Banana, we started selling Supreme, and it was so hot, man. We would sell T-shirts for 100 bucks, hats for 100 bucks, Like, it was just selling so much. And at the time – Every kid would come in and just be like, this is the only place where I've ever seen Supreme for sale. They don't know how to get it. They don't know where to get it. You know what I mean? It wasn't a known thing that Supreme drops every Thursday at 11. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yeah. And nobody really knew that then. It, it, so it had a little bit of a different 
Am I still on here? There we go. Yeah, you're on. So it, it was more valuable because it wasn't able to be purchased everywhere. You know what I mean? So it wasn't that easy to get back then. But then it just caught on, you know what I mean? Supreme continued to drop every week, and kids caught on to being able to, you know, get on the drop at 11 o'clock to get it. And around 2016, 2017 is when it, like, really skyrocketed because the, the sellout rates of Supreme started going, like, down to seconds. You know, it, it became where bots were buying shit, and it was so hard to get on the website or anywhere after sell that the prices were just, like, huge. And at the time, even then, we were we were the only oh, here, plug my phone in. We were the only store in Louisville with Supreme. Like we, we were the first ones doing that too. Yeah, mainly just because the market was there and we were selling clothes already. But it was so popping. And then I think once everyone caught on, figured out that they can just get on Supreme at eleven on Thursday and possibly get a piece. And there was just so many pieces on the market from everyone reselling that it became non-exclusive once again. You know what I mean? It became this thing where, okay, now it's easy to get. We don't want it. People want something they can't have. It's just like a, a tale as old as time. You want something that's harder to get. You don't want to go to Walmart and just get a white T-shirt that everyone can wear. I mean, even though that's nice sometimes, I wear plain white T-shirts from fucking Walmart that are brand new sometimes. But, you know, everyone wants something that they can't have. It's, yeah. it's you know, you're not going to invest your money into something that's, that is readily available to anyone no I get, I get that completely i you know i have i've never gotten a pair of shoes on a release ever yeah I, actually i take that back my son is my son's uh my son is 13 so he's into shoes and, and so I, we've done a couple of yeezy releases and stuff like that and gotten i've gotten them for him um but but for myself i've never never gotten a pair of shoes on a release i, I don't either i'm unlucky or i'm just doing it completely wrong but oh, yeah. so, so I kept trying, I keep trying to try, cause I love, I love Nike. I like shoes in general. I'm not a, I'm not a sneaker head. I don't collect, like I, I wear the shit out of my shoes, but, Me too. but, um, but so I, you know, I, I like the Jordan ones. I love the dunks, man. I love, I absolutely love the dunks. And so, um, they're starting to really ramp up obviously in price. Whereas for a while they were just kind of, they didn't, you know, nobody really wanted them for a bit. Um, so I've been on the, the hunt for a pair of those, but I, me, man, I just, I'm, I guess I, I like to be different and I've always been that way. So I, oh, yeah. I roll the dice, dude. I, I go back to my, my, you know, I've worn Chuck since I was probably seven, six or seven years old, dude. I've had every color, every pair you can imagine. So I just stick with that. And then now I've been on, on a big Puma kick, man, the classic Pumas, you know, yeah. rides and all of that. So, oh, yeah. you know, I figured, man, I'm going to go a different route. Everybody's rocking the Jordan 1s and everybody's rocking the dunks. I'm going to roll with what I – and so it's been easier for me. And it's kind of kind of funny because people have – you know, obviously you can get Pumas anywhere and stuff like that. But but people are always like – they always point it out. And I'm usually the cat wearing the Pumas and the – some a lot of people wear cons, but wearing the cons where everybody else has the Jordan 1s on. So – Oh yeah, I went a different direction, and I guess that's probably why I struggle with like the Supreme and and some of that uh, that that stuff because it's just like I I want to be so different than everybody else. I went down. I, to, uh, you literally couldn't hit like I'm literally the exact same way. I grew up and like when I was probably 16 years old, I went on a Puma kick, and I used to always wear my fat laces, and I really didn't realize that that was an old school thing that was just what I liked when I was 16. Like I, that was just like, you know, a different thing to do when I was 16. 
type shit. Like it was just something different and kind of create, you know what I mean? Just kind of different. And I've never been a sneaker release dude either. I mean, that's why the vintage banana don't really sell sneakers is because yeah. I'm not a sneaker. I'm not a sneaker release dude. I'm not a Supreme dude. That's why we don't sell Supreme. And I don't really have any Supreme because that just was never me. I was more into just, you know, making shit happen with what I had and being different was the main two things, which is why thrifting turned out perfect. I've seen it. I've seen a, a kind of a shift over the past probably five to six months of, of you know, old vintage. Like I'm talking 60s, 70s, 50s. You know, I yeah. was coming back into swing where it was everybody was hot on the 90s stuff for a long time. You think that's that's going to be kind of the big trend coming moving forward? Kind of the more the 80s, 70s tees. I might have done an interview on this probably a year ago, and I I sat, tapped into this a little bit because. I saw this happening where that's like introductory vintage. Even you were probably into it when you first started getting into vintage is like the very obvious stuff, like the sports stuff, Jordan stuff, all that is like Tommy Hilfiger. That's introductory vintage. That's like the first things you're kind of like, I remember that because it's so obvious. And I think what happened is vintage is becoming such a real, you know, it's a big thing now that, kids are still into vintage but instead of just being into the obvious things they're tunneling down into their own pathways of vintage that they like you know whether it's true vintage deep into the fucking 50s and 40s or if it's band t-shirts from the 80s you know there's some kids wearing leather jackets and punk shit here that skate like there's quite a few really good skateboarders here that are wearing like early 80s hard metal like rock shit you know what i mean like rock t-shirts leather jackets long hair tight jeans and fucking boots and shit like they're just like more like rock from the early 80s type and there's kids that are still wearing the sports gear and snapbacks and then there's you know there's a few kids that literally some of my first shoppers who were into like there's one kid in particular he's like 22 now and he started shopping me when he was like 18 or 17 and he was into like guest stripes and jordan like nike t-shirts he was really into rare nike t-shirts now always posting his 40s military stuff you know he's gone into his own bin he he actually ended up going to the University of Cincinnati for fashion. And now he's into just like really, really old stuff. I mean, this kid started shopping me. Like, not to say that I influenced him fully to go to go into fashion, but you know, he used to come to the shop and hang out all the time because he was so interested in clothes. And we were the only place that could teach him about any sort of fashion, really, because we were, you know, younger men in a fashion, you know, business that he just gravitated to it so much. And now he's out there designing clothes, you know what I mean? going to fashion school, really taking it even to the next level. And his interests are, you know, old military stuff or just old workwear stuff from, you know, really early stuff. So it's crazy to see how kind of, and being in the shop, you get to see it firsthand a lot more, how kids are getting into vintage and then what they start to go into after they, they're past, like, the, the obvious vintage. Yeah. And that's really what's happening is everyone's kind of just going into their own lanes and, and what they like. And it's more about nostalgic value too. Like, you know, obviously you're going to be gravitated to something that you like more, you know, or that you were, that you liked when you were younger. I think that comes with age too, man. I mean, cause oh, yeah. you, like when you're in high school, you want to be, you want the same stuff that your buddy has and, and you want to be kind of in that, that in crowd of, of wearing the same stuff. And, and, and if you like, I, I see with my son and daughter, because my daughter's like, she's really into music and really into vintage, but she's, um, you know, she's extremely popular in her class and her, her school and stuff. And her girlfriends make fun of her because she wears like Nirvana tees and stuff like that. 
and and you know old used stuff that like like you know she goes to goodwill and stuff with me a lot and she'll right. find something really cool and she'll want and then she'll wear it and like some of her girlfriends will mess with her with it so because that because but let me let me kind of back up a little bit here they she lives uh she lives in a small town you know in kentucky close right. to around lake cumberland area mm -hmm. so you know she's you know they hadn't hit there yet you know All right we'll get it and a few people you know, a lot of her friends, some of her friends and stuff like that buy, you know, stuff off me. I mean, half the stuff I get, I, she just takes when she wants it, you know, which is kind That's of cool. Great. But, but she gets, she gets busted on all the time because she's not following the trends. <clears throat> so I think I remember back to when I was a kid and everybody, you mentioned the starter coats, dude, I had at least six starter coats. Oh, bro. And, and, and I had, a, I had in the nineties, I had a Miami heat, dude, the Miami heat sucked in the nineties. And so I wanted the most obscure starter coat, <laughs> you know, everybody wanted the Raiders and the Bulls. And the, so I had, I had a Cowboys cause I liked the Cowboys and they were hot at the time, but yeah, they I, had were the Cowboys, that was, I had a Miami heat. I had a Miami heat. I had a uh, Florida state Seminoles. And I had a LA Dodgers. And I just wanted, like, I wanted the most, you know, crazy ones that nobody else was going to have. And um, I think yeah, I think I went for colorways mainly. I, I had a I had a Charlotte Hornets and a Phoenix Suns, and I just loved the purple and you know I mean the crazy colorways. Dude, I had a Suns too, man. The Suns. I couldn't even tell you any of the players on any of those teams. Probably still to this day, but I just love those those jackets, man. Well, I gravitated the Hornets because of their colors too. I but Rex Chatner was on the Hornets, so I was like really into you know him being a Kentucky guy. So I was I was into the Hornets some, but I love the the colorways, man. You're right, the color is what you wanted, and and um, that's why I went with the Miami Heat coat, man. It was so crazy. It was black and white and red, and then it had the huge heat emblem on the back with the green, with the orange and the yellow, and then I had a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, it was uh, like an orange color. So I got I got a lot of that from my brother. My brother, man, he had every. Every he's old, five years older than me. He had every hat and every single like sweatshirt crew of like any NFL team, Major League Baseball team, NBA team you can imagine. And um, so I was lucky, man, because when he outgrew him, it went straight to me. Oh, you but, are lucky. Yeah, I had three I was, sisters growing up, man, so I didn't have no hand me downs. Yeah, yeah, I took. Yeah, I remember, you know, and it's so funny to me too because like the Asics, the dad Asics and stuff, and the running shoes are all. You know, it's all come back and it's come full circle. I can remember as a kid, dude, he would have killed me. I snuck in his closet and stole his Asics running shoes and put them in my backpack. And um, a funny, kind of funny story here. And I took them and I put them on, on the bus. I took my shoes off and put his running shoes on because nobody was wearing running shoes at my age. And I wore them to school and everybody's like, damn, they were like a purple and like neon looking color. And they were all beat up and stuff. And Everybody's like, damn, those shoes. And uh, they fucking stunk. They smelled so bad. They, <laughs> and so the whole day I was cruising around in these shoes thinking I was cool. And I, and they stunk so bad, man. They smelled so bad. But kind of a – yeah, so the hand-me-down things was cool. And going, being able to go into his closet and just get whatever I want, it was that was pretty cool because he had – you know, he was older than me. He had the Malcolm X hats and, and all that stuff. So – and we still have a lot of that stuff. Um, he does, but, but, you know, we, I'd go in there and I'd grab him. I just, you know, he, he would, he would whip my ass, you know, if I, if I took him out of his closet, so I'd have to, right. ask him if he can do it, but, but that's what made it fun. 
So, yeah, I mean, we're, I think a lot of that comes with age, though. I mean, as you get older, you start to find kind of your own style and what you want and what you like. And uh, I'd say you see that a lot coming through the shop. Well, see, here, here's the thing is you got to think that's influence. So the only person influencing you when you were that age was your older brother. You See, like for me, it was a kid in my class who was like the best in sports. He always had like the dopest, newest Jordans. He was the first person I ever saw. I remember going out to recess and our recesses overlapped with the grade above us. And he was out there wearing a starter jacket. And I was like, man, I want a fucking starter jacket. You know what I mean? Kyle Flynn's got a starter jacket. I want a starter jacket, bro. And that just comes from back then your influence was just what you were around. You know, it's only people that in your school that you saw versus now, you know, a 10 year old kid gets to see an iPhone and influence from everybody gets to see what kind a 10 year old is looking at what Kylie Jenner wore a full Dior suit today. You know what I mean? Like type shit like that. Like they're getting influenced from anywhere and everywhere, whatever they, whatever avenues they want to go down because they have access to the internet and to everything that we didn't have. Like bro, I didn't have a fucking cell phone till I was out of high school. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that's how much time has changed and the influence before that only came from what you knew. And like, Back then, it was like everybody was on the internet. Nobody really knew the internet was about to pop up. So only people that was really on the internet was kind of nerds. And, you, like, you know, you had to go to, like, blog sites for sneakers if you were really into that. But, you know, people didn't know about shit back then. You were literally only influenced by the people around you. I, there was a kid in my high school, actually. I'll, I'll give you this one. A kid in my high school named Kyle Craig. And he used to always have the wildest color Nikes. And I used to always be like, bro, I need to get some of these Nikes. And it was home skate shop that actually had the Nikes. And I used to go with him probably when I was 14 years old and he was 16. And he would drive me to home skate shop with him. I specifically remember he had Heineken Dunks. And I was like, I want a pair of those. He was like, let's go down to home. And I, I was like, we both skateboarded then. So it wasn't like an unknown thing, but you had to go to home for the, the crazy colors. And I got the Neapolitan Stussy collab just because they had my size, not even because it was, you know, a rare release or anything like, that was just a pair of shoes they had in there in my yeah. size, readily available. There was no lines for that shit or nothing. Like, you know, I walked in and I wore those shoes. Like, I skateboarded in those shoes for years. I cut grass in them probably four years later. Do you, you still but have them? I, you know, I don't think I do. I think I threw it, like, there's yeah. a time in my life, probably when I was, like, 21 or 22, where I was really, like, I'm getting, I'm grown now, working a dog. I don't care about any of this old shit. I remember I gave, like, Probably when I was, like, 14, I had, like, 30 pairs of Jordans. Like, I was obsessed with them. And when I was, like, 21, I gave them to all my friends. I remember I had tons of Jordans I gave away. And I gave away a whole bunch of polo because in, like, early high school days, I was obsessed with polo. It was, like, Jordans and polo and dicky shorts for me. And so that was, like, very prominent. And then when I was, like, starting to sell cars in my early 20s, that's when I was, like, I'm business suits and shit. I don't need any of this. My yeah. friends at the time were like a year or two younger than me, so they kind of wanted it all. So I gave away so many pairs of shoes. It's unreal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the same way, man. You get, you kind of get in that business mindset, and and you're you're you know you're, I'm growing up. I've got chill, kids, and and you start getting rid of stuff. And now I'm looking at it, thinking, what was I? Why did I get rid of that? Man, man I, I couldn't even tell you what I had. It's how much. You you mentioned the Jordan. So so I have so. You know, like again, I mean, I was fortunate, man. I had the best mom and dad growing up, and and um, my mom, my my dad, and my brother would never go shopping with my mom, so I had to go shopping with my mom. Like we'd go to the mall or whatever, and she bought me every single pair of Jordans when they would come out. 
I would usually pick – I'd usually pick because, you know, for a while they only came out in certain colors. Like, they'd have the white or the, the black or – you know, Yeah, I the red colorways, black, white, and red is just yeah, the, so the main I wouldn't, one that was coming out. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get every color, but I would just get a pair of the new Jordan release – when the new Jordans released. Probably oh, – yeah. Yes, probably. I did that probably up until I was going into high school. And then I kind of – I jumped, you know, more into, the, like, the Air Max and the running shoes and stuff like that. But um, – but the uh, I had every Jordan, I had every Jordan leading up to that time as a and kid. And see, it's like, how did you even know? The only way you knew is from going to the stores, right? I mean, like you didn't really like back then. I mean, there's a couple magazines that you could look at. You know what I mean? Like East Bay Magazine for me growing up in like yeah. the late '90s. Like that yeah. was what I looked at to know about what shoes were going on. But you didn't have the internet then, so you really didn't know until you went to the store. Like you had a homie that. Dude, somehow, I ordered, you know, there was a sneakerhead. I ordered out of East Bay and J. Crew. J. Crew didn't have a shop, a store, you know, around here, uh, you know, in the Kentucky area. So, I mean, I can remember ordering out of the J. Crew catalog, you know, ordering and waiting for that shit to come in. And then, but, you know, we'd go to the mall. We'd go to the mall, and, and it, was, it was Foot Locker. It was Foot Locker, and um, – for like jerseys and hats and stuff, you probably don't even remember this. I don't know if you had it in Louisville, but Pro Image. Oh yeah. Oh dude, Pro Image had every starter coat, every jersey, every hat you could ever imagine. So, you know, I I, I was like, I lived. In there was a Pro Image store across from the mall. It wasn't in the mall; it was across from it. And I used to go there with my grandma, and they had all the cards. Oh yeah, they they had every. I mean, they had everything that you would you know growing up from that standpoint and then of course Foot Locker was the key and then you wouldn't know that the new Jordan even released until you went to the mall and you saw a stand there and it was like oh the new Jordans and the guys like they yeah they've been out a week or two weeks and and um or you know Sports Illustrated was big for me you know I got a lot of you know I saw what athletes were wearing what shoes they were playing ball in and then like um of course MTV came along and MTV was a huge influence because, you know, oh, yeah. you know, the music videos and then they started doing interviews and then they started doing the award shows. And then you'd pick up on, on kind of stuff that was going to become popular that, you know, what you kind of were into and what you liked. you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan, but I, it, I started for me when I was a kid, that was the first cassette I ever owned. Speaking of. Was MTV or Beastie Boys? Right is, it, is that the one? No, it's not. It's not. Oh. I wish it was, man. But I just got this one back. And um, and it's like, um, you know, for me, I used to pop that in, in my – I would pop that in the cassette player, dude, and I had a band. Hold on. So I had a band, Blue Magic. <laughs> but it was a dude, it was a lip sync band. Like, we, we, we didn't really play instruments. We had fake instruments that we carved and made out of wood. Dude, and we would play that. Dude, I had a band like that. <laughs> we would play that. We would play. We would play that Beastie Boys album from front to back, and we would just perform like we were in concert in a driveway. For we had neighbors coming to watch and everything. Dude, the my my boys' drum sets were a set of garbage cans all around, and he was acting like he was playing them. And Bro, uh, I literally had a band like that. <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. So, so, you know, for me, you know, growing up, like, it was no doubt. I mean, I grew up, I know every, almost every song on that album, 
and and as I grew older, you know, I just they were like my the Beastie Boys were my thing, and I was and I wanted to dress like them. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, act like them. Even in the '90s in high school, man, when Sabotage and all that came out, dude, I wanted to be the most like, you know, I mean, you know, I just wanted to raise hell, man. Every like I wanted to cause like I wanted to make a scene everywhere I went. <laughs> almost and it, it's kind of funny looking back on it because that was a huge influence for me oh yeah you know i wasn't seeing it on the internet you know where i was seeing it was like the album covers like you would like i didn't know you didn't know how the beastie boys you'd see an interview every now and then on mtv but the only way you would see is if you saw like a rolling stone magazine or something like that and exactly for the albums man the cd covers and the in the in the, you, the they used to fold out and you could see all the you know the styles and stuff Oh yeah, that's where you got all that influence from. But you know, now you're right, man. It's everywhere. And if I was a kid growing up, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what my taste was. Exactly. We'll see. Well, because that generation hasn't really grown up that much. I mean, a lot of the kids that are 20, like adults now, we'll just say like people who are around 20 years old now is adults. They didn't really have the internet when they were kids. They were born in 2000, so it's like they might have had some YouTube when they were like eight, but not like a cell phone in their hand like some kids now, like literally will be on the internet at five years old. What that will, you know, turn out to be like as far as their taste and their preference. And, you know, it's like kids will probably be comfortable with just about anything because they've seen it all. I mean, the internet is unlimited access. Yeah. And back then, it was so limited, you know what I mean? Like we have no, we had no means to, to information like like kids do now, and who knows how that's gonna turn out? Because you know that was just normal for us to not have it, and it's just gonna be normal for them to have it. So it it it'll be what it is, but who knows what it's gonna turn out as far as what people will, you know, kids will grow into their preferences and ideals. Dude, I think the the negative man, the thing that sucks for those a lot of the younger kids, man, is the creativity aspect of it. I mean, I think maybe it's on a different level um, because you know, you know, there's just a, it's a different type of being creative, like you know, promote promoting whatever you have or promoting what who you are on Instagram and TikTok and all of that. But you know, my son and daughter and and they're into into TikTok, and of course we you know they'll show me the video, some of the videos and stuff, and I'm like. That's that you show literally showed me five or six different videos of the exact same thing, a different person doing the exact same dance. You know, where's the creativity behind it? And and so I think that's that's the thing that really kind of sucks for that generation. But I think, you know, I think it'll come back, dude. I think I think that you said it the other day when I was on with Josh. And this 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 Corona the the COVID nineteen thing and everybody being shut in and everybody kind of having to say okay we're going to have to change the, we're going to have to come up with a new normal somewhere and yep. we're going to have to think differently and, and respond differently and react differently. I think that this is the best thing that could happen, especially for the younger generation. I mean, cause they, you know, my son and daughter, they've had their phone right there and they've been able to do, you know, different things, but still they're coming up with, they're, they're probably more, they've been more creative in the past two months than they have their entire life. Sure. Coming up with things to do and, and hobbies and all that and it'll never happen again in probably any of our lives where the whole world is shut down like this like this is probably a once in a lifetime thing where there's a million people on unemployment there's so many people not working and it's okay and it's just 
normal that it's basically the whole world. The, the whole world. It's not even just our country. Like, the whole world is shut down because of this flu. And, like, this may never happen again in our life. So take it for what it is. Like, you know, it, it'll never happen again, most likely. You know, I don't think we'll ever shut down the whole the whole world like it's been shut down, quarantined out. I mean, this is unreal. This is unheard of. Yeah. And, and, you know, take it for what it is. Use your time wisely. Take, you know, try to, try to you know, do the most with it. No, I agree. I agree. Don't just sit around and sleep through the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, hey, I've, I've got those days too. I mean, I, there's not, not really a day off for me with, you know, from work and from doing, you know, the vintage thing and then, then with kids and stuff. There's not too many days off. But, dude, there are days where I just – I honestly, I don't want to get out of the bed. I'm just like – I did it for like two weeks. I didn't get out of bed. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, man. You got to go through those. That's the, that's the thing about any creative is you go through your downtimes and then getting through those is when you really have your most creative outbreaks. Like when you have one of those times where you kind of, you know, you don't do shit for two weeks, then you're like, I really need to get my shit together. And then you start, you know, your brain really starts creating more. It starts coming up with things. You start thinking more. You start, you know, going into what you should be doing and how to make better and how to, you know, because at the end of the day, you want some sort of product of, of your day. Like, what have you done with today? Somewhat. I mean, there's there's definitely accomplishment in anyone for that. You know what I mean? Of what did you get done today type deal. So in this time, you know, the first two weeks was confusing. And the first couple of weeks was confusing because you didn't know how long it was going to last. So it's like, I'm just going to wait for this shit to be over and sleep and just fucking say fuck off to everything. And then after a while, you're like, okay, this is reality. We really, you know, you, everyone has to do something. You know what I mean? You got to get off your ass and do something. And, you know, it, it's crazy that so many people really would work out. You know what I'm saying? Like going to like fitness aspect because there's so many people that are just like picking up working out because they've got all this free time that there really is people that will work out if they didn't have shit on their schedule all day, every day. They really would work out. And then now yeah. they have all the free time. You know, I've seen more people running in the park than ever. It's crazy. I've seen more people shopping online than ever. That's a real crazy change with this whole thing, too, is that's become so huge. It has, man, because I think, I think people are just bored. I mean, I think people are like, you know, what am I going to do? And I've made a couple. I, I can tell you, man, I've made a couple impulse buys um, online, just like clothing-wise. I'm like, you know, just because I can't go out and source. And I, I'm, I'm like, ah, what am I going to do with that shirt? But, you know, I, and, and so I've made a couple of those purchases. But uh, so I hope everybody enjoyed episode number seven, part one of my interview with Max, aka the Vintage Plug. You know, one of the things Max said is finding that passion, that drive, whatever you, whatever feeds that, going all in on it and being the best that you can at it and trying to perfect that. I think that's good for all of us. You know, I challenge you over the next couple of months, whether it be writing music or creating art or learning to sew. Whatever that passion is or whatever feeds you, go all in on that. Learn, to, learn the trait, try to perfect it, and be the best that you can. And I think you'll absolutely love the results. So I hope everybody's staying happy and healthy and safe. If you like what we're doing, go to our YouTube channel, go to our Apple podcast, hit subscribe, leave us a review. And if you don't like what we're doing, leave us a review and tell us how we can get better at this. So I'll leave you with that. I hope you enjoyed part one. We'll have part two coming up, and I'll see you next week.